your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. So what are some of the pressures facing farmers uh, as we head into 2024? And what about support um, to address what has been described as a silent pandemic of loneliness in our farming communities? Well, I'm joined now by three voices uh, that uh, you heard with us on Live 95 and Limerick today on a number of occasions during 2023. And uh, they're starting the year with us in the studio. MACRA President Elaine Houlihan, Farmer Louise Crowley and Sean Lavery, who's County Limerick Chair of the Irish Farmers Association. You are very welcome. Happy New Year Thanks, Joe. to Happy all New of you. Year, Thanks, Joe. Great to see you all in the studio. Yeah. We've talked to you on WhatsApps, I think up hills and down dales and in various places <laughs> as you guys keep things going uh, on farms. Um, so, wh- wh- where do you think we're at as we start the new year, Elaine? What's your overall sense of it first? I suppose there's a sense of uncertainty still hanging over the farming community and especially for young farmers. Myself and Sean were only outside in the lobby there talking and we do have a lot of uncertainty facing us and I suppose you did touch on it there around the pandemic of loneliness and farming. It all feeds into mental health. Like literally everything. It's something that our government need to realise is that we need solid policies coming. We just don't need to see it on the media we don't want to hear us on the radio. The farmers need to be taken into account when these decisions are being made. Mm. Because, uh, you know, those of us who experience the weather at the moment, and it ain't great, do have the advantage of not having to necessarily go out and work in it. And if you take yesterday even as an example, the first day of the year, but lots of farmers had to keep things going, didn't they? Yeah, we did. Um, look, unfortunately, 2024 has started with 23's bad weather again. Yes. You know, it's been an ongoing battle for the last 12 months um, for farmers. It's been a constant stress between just trying to get out and do jobs. And it's very it's very hard to have a positive attitude when it's constantly wet and trudging through muck and stuff. But you're worrying then about... You know, trying to get the silage made, trying to get it saved, just to make sure you have enough fodder for the animals. It leads to several different problems, you know. And then you've, you know, the the worries about slurry storage, all these other aspects that do take a toll. And if you don't have anybody else in the farmyard maybe to share the burden with or talk the problem out with, you know, all that is on your own shoulders and it really takes a toll on your mental health. Yeah, um, uh, Louise and Elaine are, are younger, Sean, you won't mind me saying that. So h- how have you seen farming change and, and maybe stay the same uh, as well over uh, the decades? Well, <clears throat> I, I suppose uh, listening to what Louise and Elaine are saying there, um, the, like one, of the, one of the big issues at the moment, like mental health is how you feel and what pressures you feel under. But say, like, there's a lot of individual farmers at the moment that haven't received payments that they would have expected in 2023. And, you know, they've gone through, uh, say, a very expensive time of the year and they still haven't received these payments. Explain that to us now. Yeah, there are payments for all the various schemes that that farmers would have signed up for during 2023. And generally they would have been paid during um, September, October, November. But in a lot of cases, uh, they, they they haven't been paid for a substantial number of farmers. What's the hold up? The the hold up is apparently that uh, they, we basically have a new cap uh, that kicked off in twenty twenty three, 
and the Department of Agriculture systems have not been able to cope with all the changes and all the cross-checks that are needed on the systems. Um, so this is the overarching common agricultural the policy? The overall arch, overarching agricultural policy. So, like, one of the things is, we, I was discussing with Elaine outside, there are, in an extreme case, an individual farmer could apply for 29 different uh, streams of income, you know. But, you know, they, they, but in Ria, but what, that is creating difficulties then for the Department of Agriculture because if you're in uh, one scheme and you apply in a second scheme or apply in a third scheme, how do you uh, cross-relate all of those? And that has created extreme difficulty for the Department of Agriculture and they have not been able to keep up with it to make payments on time to farmers. What would you say in general is more difficult for young farmers like Louise and Elaine and is there anything that's easier than maybe 20, 25 years ago, Sean? Well, there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment now in terms of uh, where we're going. Uh, like the whole uh, issue of climate change, the whole issue of nitrates, the whole uh, issue of stocking rates on farms. Uh, can you be confident of investing that if you invest um, X hundreds of thousands in uh, uh, in buildings or whatever, uh, will you be able to carry the stocking level to to support those borrowings over time and like their generational um, investment decisions and uh, can you be confident uh, in the current changing environment that that, that that will be, that that will be the case mm. and that that's a big worry for young farmers because like it's like everyone in their in their say in their late teens they're going to college uh, but equally young farmers they have to decide are they you know are they going to commit to the farming life. Uh, are they going to, you know, uh, discuss with their family investments on farms? Um, you know, and, and, and it, it, that, that's a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. We're chatting to Sean Lavery, who's County Limerick Chair of the Irish Farmers Association, Mocker President Elaine Houlihan, and Farmer Louise Crowley, who's based in County Limerick. Um, so, Elaine, I mean, your generation and the previous generation, you know, is it harder for you guys? Yeah, there's elements. Every job is hard. There's all of them elements show. But I think one of the biggest things and one of the things that was highlighted through our membership over the last couple of months is around succession. I'm sure you probably, a lot of the listeners have probably read us in the paper or heard us on the radio talking about succession. It's about the transfer of land. We want a future. We marched, well, myself and Louise are involved in it. Yes, we marched from it, a yeah. to Dublin to show that we want a future in rural Ireland, but we need... I suppose, the conversation around succession to be an open conversation in households. This is another thing that feeds into mental health as well because it's one of the main factors affecting farmers' mental health is around succession. Who's going to take over the farm? For a young person, it's always that thing of going, will I get the farm? Who's getting the farm? When that uncertainty is there, when you're putting the work into the land and you don't know if you're going to get it. But we need to be more open as a society around succession, we want to continue farming. How much of that, though, is the individual decisions of the previous generation and how much of it could be helped by organisations like yours and by government? It is. Look, at the end of the day, Joe, it is down to the current farmer to decide who gets what. That's moral of the story. We in Makra have been fighting long and hard for succession in the budget. We put in a succession proposal because we did a bit of research and found out for the older farmer, it was the uncertainty, the income, what income were they going to have? It's very hard to live on the state, um, a state pension here in Ireland with the cost of living. So we came up with a proposal looking to only benefit a thousand farmers 
We wanted to do a pilot scheme. We were only looking for four million. Wasn't a lot now. Maybe it's a lot for us talking here in the studio, but not for our government. And they couldn't see the potential of right. getting and, that there. what would the pilot have done? So the pilot would have helped, we'll say, transfer the land. So with that, the older farmer would have got the subsidy off the farm as well. So that's what the money would have been doing, is giving that subsidy while they're getting their pension. But they have to leave, the farm would have to be leased by a young trained farmer who is going to farm the land in a sustainable manner. That was their biggest thing. someone who mightn't be within the direct family? Yeah, this is possible. Like, for instance, in Makra, we have the Land Mobility Service, which is... Practically the tinder for um, land. There's no fine lying. That's that's probably the best way to describe it. It matches older farmers that don't have a successor with younger farmers that want to take on the role of farming the land. Tinder and it's pr- for land. That's Literally, that's I'm going to be quoted everywhere on that one now. Swipe right. <laughs> but it's it's a service that's You're invaluable. Like this patch of ground. That's funny. It's invaluable, and the amount yeah. of farmers that avail of us is crazy. Yeah. Um, but Louise, do you think that it's because there are older farmers who will quietly say among themselves, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know these younger people. Do they have what it takes? Do they have what we had? Do they have the durability, the stickability? I'm not going to be passing my farm on to them. Well, of course, there is that attitude going to be there. But I think a lot of that changes when they see a young person farming and they see what they can bring to the setup. Look, when I first got into farming, I was faced with those sentiments. People had those comments. And I think seven or eight years later now, very few would actually reiterate them to me again. They see what we bring to the setups. They see the commitment. And I think when you have a younger person in the farm, it gives the 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 previous farmer kind of a new lease of life. You know, you're, you're making plans. You're looking to the future. Um, whereas if you're on your own, you're kind of looking towards the end of your career and wondering what's going to come on. And I think, you know, it takes a bit of pressure off of the that um, current farmer too, if they know somebody is going to come along. I suppose it's just to, to take a chance and for farmers not to forget that someone once took a chance on them yeah. when they came in, you know. And, and, and dealing clearly with inheritance tax can be an issue within a family as well because of the way our, our uh, law is structured around wills, for example, mm. or the ability to pass on land while a farmer's still alive. That creates all sorts of problems, doesn't it? It does. And look, it goes back to what Elaine was saying, you know, we need to, families need to sit down and they need to talk these things out and get the advice and time, you know, you know, and plan it out properly. Look, I'm very lucky that I'm farming with my, my father, John, at home and dad is very progressive and, you know, wasn't afraid to sit down and we've made a plan and everyone knows where we stand. And that takes a mental stress off of dad and off of myself. Everyone knows what the plan is. So I would advise, you know, these things can be very messy and especially if somebody passes on afterwards. And if you don't know, you know, we know myself and Elaine people, young farmers that are Mm -hmm. farming 10, 15 years and they still have no certainty as to what's going to happen or what is in the will. Yeah, I mean, it is a big issue, isn't it, John, for younger farmers? No question about that. Uh, Absolutely. You know, the the, the people, young farmers need the certainty, but older farmers as well, like they don't, very often they don't want to let go because uh, they want control on the one hand, but there's also the uncertainty of income 
um, all of the, of continuing income while they, you know, if they retire and over. And people are living longer they're and obviously li- they have the same concerns about care later in life and, you know, oh. their their heads might be 25 but their bodies might be 85. Yeah, they may be, they may be 65, yeah. they may have a bad hip or whatever and they're really saying it's time to, it's really, or maybe their siblings or someone is saying to them, look, you need, you need to cut back on the work. But they're worried about their income, mm. um, which is know. entirely understandable. Yeah, and but then you have things like the, the the tax incentives around farm leasing. You know, people need to be educated as well. You know that there are options there. But then the government, you know, can put in place incentives as well. You know, to encourage land mobility and maybe to get them to you know to talk to younger farmers. Um, you know the the incentives are always a good way to move it along. Yeah, and you know we were talking earlier about everything feeding into someone's mental health. You know, it's something we all think about, I suppose, generally, but especially this time of the year and people is putting plans in place and resolutions. We've discussed all of that, and we'll come back to it a bit later uh, this hour as well in our first show of Limerick today of 2024. But the UCD School of Agriculture and Food Science and the School of Psychology presented at a conference recently and highlighted the reality that 25% of Irish farmers are deemed at risk of suicide, Elaine. 25%. Yeah, I suppose it'll leave a lot of people speechless. Um, I'm very used to hearing the statistic as we in Mocker are actually partnered with UCD and Tomás and Louise that actually wrote that study. Dying to Farm is the name of the study. It's... I'd be, I'm lost for words when I hear it every single time. It's something that I think hits hard with everybody and people sitting in their kitchens or in their cars right now. I think that will hit hard too. It is in that study too, it was found that 50% are suffering from depression and don't even realise they're suffering from depression. 50%, that means there's two of us in this room, Joe, that are suffering from depression that we don't know about, which is quite worrying. It is that silent pandemic that's happening in farming and rural communities but it's something that we are working on in Mokra we have a mental health initiative called Make the Move we launched a crisis response team um, there a couple of weeks ago Um, I suppose it was great news for us to hear that we had our first call out but it was unfortunate circumstances, it was a tragedy for a village and I suppose just to give a bit of a background, the crisis response team is a team that can be deployed by us in Mokra for free of charge um, to any village or town in a rural community that has been affected by a tragedy. And in that is a counsellor and support staff on the ground. The only thing you will be asked to do is to get your local hall, your school or whatever you use as a room for that counsellor to be in and be present. Presumably people can go on the Mocker website and... Yeah, it's makethemove.ie, but the move is M-O-O-V-E. A bit like a cow. Okay, Okay, very good. Um, And Louise, your thoughts on on that and and what you think might be feeding into um, that statistic? Yeah, look, it's it's awful to hear that that figure is so high. But as someone that is in the farming community, you know, I can see it. Um, I think most people will know somebody, unfortunately, that has taken their own life. And those families that have been affected by it, we've in our own parish as well, um, and, it, and it's awful, but I think it's to change the attitude of guest pe- if things are weighing on you, talk to them because the problem I might have, Elaine might have as well, you know. And but farming has kind of become 
well, I suppose the previous generation, you didn't tell the neighbours what was going on. You dealt with it yourself. So the younger farmer is probably a bit more inclined to start sharing now. Which has to be a good thing. It has to be. But like we're all facing the same same worries, you know, whether it's weather pressures, financial pressures, payments being late, you know, nitrates. We're all in the same boat and there is somebody that's going to have the same worries as you. But I think it takes a bit of courage to open up and say it. And I think something Elaine said to us a long time ago um, at an IFA meeting was, you know, we are all very good to say, how are you? But pause and wait for the answer mm. and hear so what true. they actually have to say. Yeah. And that act alone... The classic Irish thing where, no, you're not actually telling me how, yeah. how you are. I suppose the way we did it, it was I was actually presenting for Limerick IFA in... For, about mental health and I turned around and I asked everybody to ask how are you to the person on your left and everybody turned and goes how are you and turned back to look at me and I goes well do you know how they are and they all goes no so I goes do it again yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you're, you're so right. You're so, and listen, that's not just a farming thing. Oh, no, we're the best, we're the best in the world Irish here thing. in Ireland. Like walking down the street, Joe, I might not know you, and I'll yeah. be like, well, how are you? <laughs> yeah. But that's just me saying hello. <laughs> and then the shock of someone stopping going, well, well. <laughs> I'm having a tough enough time. Um, and, and Sean, obviously, we have a lot of elections on the horizon now. We have mm. a directly elected mayor's election in Limerick. Um, your thoughts on that, guys. And then we have the local. With the European, and certainly we're going to have a general between now and March of 2025. So, what what's going to be on the agenda? Do you think? Um, I suppose from from a farmer's point of view, um, we're probably looking for certainty um, around uh, what's what's happening in farming. Like, there's a lot of changes. A lot of changes being imposed, and uh, farmers don't feel that they're not being listened to. Um, they feel that the major political parties are making decisions without actually talking to grassroots on the ground with farmers. And like you would have heard various commentaries in the last 12 months about these pop-up parties uh, that were appearing there and that they were appealing to rural and all of that. So like, does it, there's certainly a, a flux going on there among farmers. Like they, 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 want, they want support. Uh, they're looking for that support. So... Uh, they, they, they'll be looking at what uh, you know what, what the political parties are putting on their agendas. And even when you think about the directly elected mayor of Limerick, it's a fascinating constituency. It's massive mm. because it's going to include city and counties, not even broken up into the constituencies that we see for general elections. So you know, a vote in a county area, a deep rural area, is as valid as a, 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 a um, one deep in the heart of the city. And I mean, from from a farmer's perspective. Has that occurred or what do you think about it, Louise? Well, I would encourage everyone to actually look into it and take an interest in it, especially when it is a a direct vote like that. You know, um, I am a firm believer in, you know, if you don't use your vote or, you know, it's very hard to be giving out about who gets in then afterwards. So I would encourage people, get involved, try and meet these people, voice your opinions, because if they don't hear what the issues are, then they can say, sure, it wasn't an issue. It wasn't highlighted to me. You know, we all have voices. Make sure you get your opinions heard. And especially for farmers, you know, we are a minority out there now. We need to get these issues 
you know, highlighted as strongly as we can. We need certainty. We need to know mm. where we're going. And especially, look, I'm a, a rural Limerick dweller as well. I'm farming in Croom, but I'm living in Knockany and I have two parishes that are great parishes, but I want you want people to be staying there too because it's not only the farming communities that keep these places going. Huh. Absolutely. Um, Elaine knows what's coming here now because obviously you're involved in politics in a way as president of uh, Mocra and you're a young person. So would you fancy a crack at the directly elected mayor? I'm too busy. That's I'm good, too good, busy good, at good the moment. Good politician's answer there, actually. Uh, no, I'm too busy at the moment. Um, look, I suppose I still have till May 2025 of my presidency and I suppose that's a question to ask me in May 2025, Joe, what my plans are afterwards. But the one thing I will say to whoever's putting their hat in the ring for the mayor, remember that there is a county Limerick. That it's not just a city road. Just to remember that. Well, that's well, I that. mean, it's an amalgamated council yeah. for 10 years this year. It's for, just we never see a mayor in rural Ireland, in rural Limerick. Like, it's very, very unusual to see them. Any time I've ever seen the mayor of Limerick was inside in the city. Right, well, I, I know where you're coming from at one level, but at another level, you know, mayors of the city and county have come from rural parts of the county, certainly. I mean, we've had them sitting where you are in, in the studio over the years. Well, I'm sure a lot of them would argue the point with you. But this is a different role, of course. This yep. is the re- directly elected mayor of Limerick City and County, not just for 12 months. It's going to be, you know, an extended term. And yeah, the, no, I and think the question is, are, are, is it just going to float over people's heads or will they take it seriously in who stands and who will vote for who stands? Because the difficulty is if it's not reflected by a wide enough range of candidates, then clearly a lot of people are going to feel slightly disenfranchised, aren't they? Yeah, no, 100%. And I think Louise even said that there, everybody needs to take an interest in it. Everybody needs to read into who's going. Everybody needs and to the know powers what, that go yeah, with it. And what stance they're going to take. But it's, I suppose to the candidates and those that are thinking about it, just remember it's a big county. Mm. That would be my one thing to them. Right, well, we look forward to talking to the candidates. Elaine's telling us she won't be one of them. She'll never know. We might be persuaded, but we'll see. Um, and uh, we look forward to all of that and look forward to talking to the three of you and to other um, farmers over 2024 because we at Live 95 are very well aware that it's a big city and uh, county. So thank you so much for coming in. A happy new year to all three of you. Macro President Elaine Houlihan, farmer based in County Limerick, Louise Crowley and Sean Lavery, who's County Limerick Chair of the Irish Farmers Association. Appreciate it. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash.